Well, we are having a great time in this series, and where else you get to hear uh, one way or another, I'm going to get you, get you, get you at church. We are we're just having a great time going through this old story, and we're looking at just some real practical skills on what do you do when life's out to get you. And kind of at the end of the Reader's Theater, you got a sense that Rainsford has kind of figured out what's going on, but he hasn't fully figured out what's going on. I mean, guess who General Zaroff is about to hunt? Hmm. And so all of a sudden, as we develop in this series, we're going to find that Rainsford is on the run. And how is he going to escape the hunting expertise of General Zaroff? And how can we as well? Often we come to life thinking we're the hunter, and often the challenges of life, we feel like maybe we're the huntee, and we want to know how to beat General Zaroff. However, imagine initially you find out the tables get turned, you scurry into the woods, and as you're about to kind of feel your adrenaline running and you're starting to pant, a tribesman maybe steps out of the woods and is like, hey, come here. Is uh, Zaroff hunting you again? Yeah. Again, yeah, it does it all the time. Imagine this tribesman's like, tell you what, I've been living on this island for, for 20 years with Zaroff. You don't have to worry about him. He's a blowhard. He's only dangerous if you don't know where to go and what his tricks are. I got a map here, and this map is going to tell you how to only survive but thrive, and you're going to keep Zaroff from getting anywhere close. You'd be like, tell me more, right? Tell me more. In fact, last week I told you a story about a safari I went on in 2012. We're in this 100-mile diameter crater, and there's actually lions all over the place, uncharacteristically. Under this tree, you see in the photo behind me, there's actually a lioness and a lion right there near our, our jeep. And we're starting to travel up through the crater and starting to head out for the day. And we're in three caravans of jeeps, and there's a jeep in front of us. And as we make our way up, all of a sudden, the jeep in front of us in our caravan, the car dies. Kung, 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 and I'm watching from our jeep. That's where I took this photo. And I'm like, who in the world is going to get out of the jeep and go fix that thing? Because right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm a little handy with cars, but not today. No, never worked on a car. Nope. Mm-mm. Hood? What's a hood? You know, that's why I'm, I'm playing dumb. Well, I'm watching, and sure enough, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you know, they're all over the place. The guy, the driver in the, the, the car in front of us, Jeep pops it open, hops up, pops open the hood, and he's looking at that thing. And I'm like, you know, heart's beating for him, you know, I'm about to see a man being devoured by a lion, this is going to be really intense, so, you know, look away, I'm going to need years of therapy. Um, well, as I'm kind of panicking on, on his behalf, sure enough, I look in the woods, and a whole family comes walking out of the woods. And I took their picture. They, they said, hey, take our picture. I'm like, what are they doing out there? They said, oh, this is the tribe that's lived here in the crater in this, this safari for generations. Like, how many? I was several hundred that lived there in the crater. I'm like, I want their expertise, right? I want to go talk to them. Because they have learned how to survive in a challenging environment. And they have found ways to thrive. I mean, I would trust their expertise. I would lean into their expertise. I'd say, listen, me know nothing about living in safari. You tell me how I should live, right? That's the idea here. You can beat General Zaroff, whatever challenge it comes your way, by staying on the path and avoiding some certain pitfalls. You can overcome it. And that's what we're looking at today. How do we overcome General Zaroff? 
by staying on the trail, staying on the path, and avoiding some certain pitfalls. Now, to do that, imagine this tribesman hands you a map. He says, this map is the secret to navigating whatever you need. Here's the path you need to stay on. Here's some areas. Stay over there. There's some RUSs over there. Rodents of unusual size. There's some, li- there's some, some li- lightning sand over there. Just stay away from all that stuff. Sorry for those who don't know Princess Bride. And, and, and if you follow this path, you're going to be no sweat. And you're like, great, because that's what I want. I want to overcome General Zaroff who's trying to get me. I can stay on a trail, and I can avoid some challenges before me. That's what we're talking about today. So what are three ways that we can beat back the general who's hunting us? Well, there's a guy in the Bible. His name is Paul. And he's living during a challenging time. He's got people beating him up, and he's got people chasing him down. And he's writing to a group of Christ followers about how to navigate the challenges of life. And he literally is living under the time of an emperor named Nero, and later an actual general emperor named Titus. He's going to say, guys, I'm going to tell you, kind of like the map of that tribesman, how to thrive and navigate these challenges. He said, first thing, you need a new mind. You've got to have a different mindset. Scared to death of General Zaroff mindset's not going to cut it. You need to be renewed by God with this spirit, a new spirit in your mind, a new way of thinking. And that God will give you this new man or this new spirit or this new way of thinking. He's going to create in you. If you invite him into you, it's going to give you kind of true righteousness, a true right path, and true holiness, a wholeness to what's broken in you. And if you invite God to give you the kind of the right mindset and the right wholeness, man, you can overcome not only General Zaroff, but you know, literal generals who are coming after them at the time, like the emperor, Emperor Titus, the general. Number one, you gotta look for the trail markers. There's certain trail markers that tell you, while I'm here, I'm safe, but if I go over there, that's where Zaroff might ambush me, or that might get me in trouble. So Paul's writing and saying, you get this new mindset, and the first thing is look for trail markers. What are some of those? Well, he goes on in this letter, and Paul writes these words. He says, after you've been renewed in the, the spirit of your mind, I want you to look out for one of the major things that will kind of trip you up and get you in trouble, and it's how you handle your anger. Man, General Zoroff has taken down many people through history with anger. What do I mean? He says, well, trail marker, be angry. What? Did you know the Bible tells us to be angry? Anger's not bad. Be angry. You're on the trail if you're angry. There's things in life to get angry about. But you step off the path and get into danger, poisonous snakes over there, when you be angry, but in your anger, do not go wayward or sin. When you sin, it's like my anger turned into hurting other people. Or a good way to say that would be my anger, I got out of control. So it's okay to be angry, but when your anger gets out of control, you're off the trail. And when you're off the trail, bad stuff happens in your relationships. Bad stuff happens in you. So when you find yourself, I'm angry, it's okay to be angry, but I'm starting to get out of control, it's time to back off and say, listen, General Zaroff's over there in the bushes. (laughs) We need to stay on the path. He goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That doesn't mean that every time you're angry, you've got to resolve it within 24 hours. But there's a principle here that more often than not, when you're angry, don't let it sulk. Don't let it sit. Don't let it fester. 
Because when it festers, anger, you've stepped off the trail and festering anger, unresolved forgiveness, anger that turns into ongoing wrath, man, General Zarf will jump on you. So it's okay to be angry. Just look for ways when you've stepped off the path to say, oh, I might be in trouble here and stay in the good path. Deal with your anger in a healthy way. Now, have you ever seen a trap, like maybe a field and stream, kind of ways they trap animals? Yeah, if an animal knew, like, hey, look at the uh, circular rope, like somebody's lassoing stuff, I think I ought not put my head through there, right? Like if, if you knew that that's what you're looking for, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to get trapped. Well, that's kind of what Paul's doing here. If you know I see one of those in the woods, don't stick my head through there, or if I do see that, I'm going to walk a little more carefully and say, all right, what is that? I need to make sure. And he basically goes on to say there's three kind of loops, traps, that can keep you from enjoying the path. And they involve your anger, your money, and your mouth. <laughs> like, doesn't that sum up like how we've all kind of got in trouble? My, my anger, my money, and my mouth. They've done some great things for me, and they've done not so great things for me. So he goes on, he says that. He says, here's three things I want you to look out for. Stay on the path when it comes to your anger, your money, and your mouth. Be angry, like I said, but do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And again, if I said the devil's too weird for you, just cross off the D and just say, give place for evil. I don't want evil to take advantage of me. Let him who stole, talking about money, steal no longer. You're saying, well, Chad, I don't feel tempted to steal. Okay, I would just say money in general, discontentment in general, obsession with money, feeling like people aren't paying me what I deserve. But when you feel yourself getting near the edge of that, even near the edge, it's time to go, whoa, whoa, that's where bad stuff happens, right? We've seen lots of very smart people through history who crossed that line and got into trouble because they didn't stay on the path. And he talks about her mouth. He said, by the way, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Instead, do what's good for building people up or edifying people. So as you're walking through the path of life, three things I want you to check out. How's your anger doing? How's your relationship with money doing? And how's your relationship with the words that come out of your mouth doing? With your spouses, with your family members, with your coworkers. Isn't that good? It's just good advice, isn't it? And to have somebody who's traveled through life give us some advice on how to avoid the dangers, like a, like a hunting mentor. I had one of those recently. I'm not a big fisherman. So a friend of mine invited me to go fishing down in uh, down the Keys. And so we got on his boat, and we were going to go kite fishing. I didn't know that was a thing. But he was a very experienced kite fisherman. And so we're going along in the boat. And on the back of the boat, we got like what looks like a barber chair. Clearly, I'm not a fisherman. I'm a wakeboarder. Um, so we've got a barber chair sitting back there and all these different uh, poles. And they send a literal kite out whew, 150 yards that way. And another kite, a literal kite with a rope on it, a line, not rope, uh, about 150 yards that way. And about every 40 yards, there's a hook on the line. And so this kite going that direction and that direction, I said, well, how does this work? He said, well, as the kite's going out, we take our six lines, and there's a little hook every 40 yards. And so these fishing lines go up to the hook and then down, and they dangle the fish, the bait, right on the surface. I'm like, how does that work? Well, as we're moving along, we got six lines in the water, 50 yards out, you know, 80 yards out, 120 yards out. And as soon as one hooks, it yanks the, the line off that hook, and you're going to sit down in the 
whatever the proper name for the barber chair is, you're going to strap you in and you're going to be reeling away. And sure enough, bam, we, we got a line, move the other lines out of the way so they can get caught. And I'm an hour and a half pulling this thing in. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And the next three hours, I caught like 600 pounds of fish. I became a fisherman. I'm not going to go back to any other fisherman. This is the way to fish. A mentor with the right equipment, <laughs> with the right tools, and suddenly I'm pulling these giant sailfish. And I was like, yeah, I want to trust somebody who knows how to do this. I thought, you know what those fish need? Those fish need a mentor. When seeing dangling fish at the top of the water, don't eat that. When you see dangling fish with a, a, a big motor about 50 yards in front of it, don't eat that, right? You'd be out of danger. See, God wanted us to know that there's ways to navigate stuff, and it's, it, it's easy not to get caught in the trap when you can identify the traps and you know what they are. So that's the idea he's getting at here. How do we follow those trail markers? Number two, he goes on to say, you need to realize that a little foothold can carry a lot of weight. Well, what's a foothold, and what does that have to do with anything? Again, imagine that tribesman again who's been living on this island. He says, there's a path on my map, and it's a beautiful path, and you're going to feel very safe because you look down this way, and it's like sheer rock face going straight down to, to the ocean, and you're going to feel like Zaroff can't get me here. And, and there's a rock face here going straight up, and you're going to feel like, well, there's no way to go up, but I'm feeling safe on this path, and that's okay. But look real carefully. And if you look at the sheer rock face going straight down the mountain, he says, do you see the little bitty protrusions about the size of your fingernail? And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see those. He says, you're not going to believe this. But Zaroff has figured out how to climb up this rock sheer face. He can put his full body weight on just a little foothold. Now, if you know it, and you're walking past here, he's easy to defeat. Because you're walking past, you're like, hey, he's still 50 yards down. Throw a rock at him, and he's gone. But don't ignore the little bitty spots of, of in your character that might be a problem. The little areas of weakness. The little areas that you might have a tendency to ignore and think you're safe on. Hey, walk through life, but just give attention to those weak spots. The word is foothold. A place that somebody could put their foot or could pull themselves up. And you ever seen like people who climb mountains? Man, they can put their finger on this little bitty piece of rock and it can carry the whole weight of their body if they're strong enough. So that's the word Paul uses here when he says, if you're not careful about your anger and your money and your mouth, you will give a place. And that word is an opportunity or a foothold for evil in your life. So just pay attention to it. And don't let something crawl up where you don't, when you didn't see it coming. And vice versa, that can work against you, but it can work for you. If those things can be used for bad stuff, imagine this rock face. See all the different areas? If you could train and strengthen yourself, there's a lot of ways in which you could begin to, oh, wow, make a way of escape when you take little strengths that you need to maximize and take advantage of. Oh, a little foothold can hold a lot of weight. And maybe you've heard of El Capitan. Look at that thing. 7,500 feet tall. It is a sought-after place for climbers to climb. 
And it's considered one of the most dangerous things for experienced people to climb with ropes. But there's a movie, maybe you saw it a couple years ago, called Free Solo. And not like Han Solo. Free Solo means a person, Solo, free climbing that thing. Free climbing, no ropes. This guy named Alex decides he wants to be the first person to climb that with no ropes. And the movie talks about how he trains and how he prepares to climb 7,500 feet by himself with no ropes and no safety. And as they're going through the, 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 the movie, you can see on this picture on the, the right-hand side, look how small the people are compared to that mountain. That's with ropes, by the way. He's going to climb that sheer rock face with none. And several of the real pivotal moments he needs to turn and twist, they zoom in and show you. He's got a piece of rock that big that he's got to put his full weight on to swing over, to stick his hand in a crevice, to then start pulling himself up. And it was amazing and terrifying and adrenaline pumping watching him use these little bitty footholds to hold his weight to accomplish something that had never been done before. So, Paul says, what are some footholds, little footholds, that might carry a lot of weight that we should be careful of. Areas which you're walking through life doing fine, thank you very much. And if you could notice them, it'd be easy to stop them or letting evil take advantage of you, right? So he gives us a list of footholds, places, opportunities to watch out for. He goes back to corrupt mouth. Be careful of your corrupt mouth. What does that mean? Well, be careful your corrupt mouth proceeds out of your mouth, corrupt words, and also bitterness, that's a foothold. Oh, and wrath. And anger, are you repeating yourself? What does that mean? Clamor, I don't know, I have no idea what that means. Evil speaking, put away from you all malice. So you're like, listen, I'm not, I, I don't even know how I'd identify those footholds. So let me give you some definitions based on the Greek words used for these words. So these are little footholds to look out for, that if you notice them, it's real easy to not let them take advantage of you. A corrupt word is literally rotting or tearing down other people talk. You ever been in a, in a work environment where people start tearing each other down and just the whole environment, nobody wants to work there anymore. Footholds. Bitterness. When you let resentment take root, oh, back to the path. When resentment takes root, man, I need to yank that thing up. That's a foothold. Wrath is boiling over anger. It's not just angry. I'm starting to lose control. Anger the kind of anger, he uses a different Greek word here than be angry. The Greek word here is that when I need to punish people, it's not I'm mad this happened to me. I now want to be the judge. I now want to be the executioner. Man, I feel that all the time, Chad, you might say. Well, be careful. That's a foothold. It's a lot of weight. A lot of damage can be done in your life, in your marriage or second marriage or with a child if you're not careful about that. What's clamor? Distressful wailing. It's when in a moment of pain, you're so distressed, you blame God, blame the universe. As I mentioned last week, you personalize pain, and that becomes the, the soil at which you start growing other stuff that's, that's not good in your life. Clamor. Personalizing pain or distressful wailing, allowing your pain to kind of steer you in a bad direction. Evil speaking is slandering or gossiping people. Man, that can be a foothold. How many have not seen family reunions, uh, family relationships destroyed because of those little gossipy words? And malice, a desire to injure someone 
or to cause trouble to someone. So if you recognize those things, it's like, good stuff, I'm gonna walk on by, not a problem. And this mentor on the island wants you to know you can trust his map, you can trust the instructions, and he has experience on the island. And if you look out for that stuff, you don't have to be all worried about General Zaroff. I remember my wife, when she was first in college, she went and was taught um, how to rappel down some mountains. And when they went with this instructor, he wanted them to know they could trust the rope and trust that he knew what he was doing. Right? If, you're, if you're climbing for the first time, you're like, can I trust this guy and is that rope going to hold? So he has, they start at the top of the mountain. It was more like a, a big hill, but mountain with a, with a drop off. He comes and he ties the rope, shows him how to properly tie the rope. And he ties it around the tree or the rock, whatever it was. He goes, now guys, I want you to watch. And then he's showing how to, how to tie and put his carabiner on. But he doesn't have the carabiner on the front. He's got it on the back. So he ties it properly and he puts it on, but it's on the back. And he can control it with his left hand. And they're watching like, what's going on? He's like, I'm going to show you how to repel Australian style, eh? Suddenly he's talking Australian. And... <laughs> He says, watch and learn. And they're watching. He's got the, the cable on the back or the line on the back. And he goes and runs, jumps directly off the hill or the mountain or whatever you want to call the thing, but the drop off. And he's got this rope behind him and just like, whoo, boom, 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 boom. And he lands. And he looks up. That's how it's done. And this guy, one, he just taught them visually, I know what I'm doing. Two, you can trust me. And three, that rope is so confident, I was able to jump off this thing face down and rappel down this mountain backwards, Australian style. And my wife was like, this was amazing. We we're still scared to death. But suddenly I went, okay, if he can trust the rope, I can trust the rope. And that's the idea God's getting at here. Paul has said, listen, I have been through this stuff. I've taken on uh, Nero. I've taken on different emperors. Uh, you guys are going to be facing other ones like Titus. You can trust the rope and you can trust my expertise. So watch out for trail markers. Remember that a little stronghold can hold a lot of weight. And lastly, what's the easiest, best way to beat a general? Switch islands. Right? <laughs> Switching islands is far easier than outsmarting General Zaroff. Because he's like, listen, you could stay here and you can learn to live here and there's lots of ways to outsmart this, this place. But instead of focusing on not doing bad stuff or worrying about bad stuff, there's another island. Grab my canoe, swim over there and just land on that island. It's the good stuff island. And General Zaroff doesn't go over there. He doesn't know how to get there. He doesn't even... Uh, he doesn't even like it over there. Because notice as Paul's writing, he replaces every bad thing with a good thing that could replace it. It's like, instead of managing bad stuff, how about we just go to that island and do good stuff? Here's what he says. Therefore, put away lying. In other words, instead of worrying so hard about lying, lying, don't lie, don't lie, don't fudge, don't use rotten talk or corrupting talk or tearing down talk, Go to that island and ask yourself in every situation, how can I speak truth? Not how do I not lie, because you're focusing on lying all day. How do I speak truth? It's a better place. Just speak truth to your neighbor. How much better would our relationships be if we could kindly and nicely, but speak truth? 
For we're all members of one another. Let's just remember, how would you want to be spoken to if people were correcting you or interacting with you? Be angry and do not sin. Don't give place to the devil. But rather, look at the word rather. If you have problems with money, in this case with somebody who's stealing, don't just work on not stealing, but rather learn how to work hard, labor. Go to that island. Over in that island, we not only don't steal, we labor. And we labor, you work with your hands, you find how, how awesome it is. To, to live with contentment and ambition. You work with your hands to do what is good. And he goes on and says, and then you start saying, hey, how can I labor and give to other people? Over on this island, it's like, I don't get everything I deserve. Well, I gotta get everything I'm worth. And, and I start getting tempted to take if people aren't gonna give me properly because I'm focused on me, me, me. But over on that island, we work hard. And we think about how we can do quality work and ambitious work. And then we think, how can I bless others? That's a better island over there. Oh, and over in this island, we can like, oh, don't do so much corrupt talk, corrupt talk, corrupt, 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 corrupt talk. But over in that island, every day we say, how can we do what is necessary for edification, which means to build other people up? Not just how do I not tear somebody down. How can I inject encouragement into somebody today? How can I affirm somebody today? How can I build somebody up today? How can I, look what he goes on, be kind to one another. How can I be tender-hearted to one another? How can I forgive one another even as God in Christ forgave you? In other words, when you see what God will do for you, that God forgave me and God was kind to me and God was generous to me, maybe I could do that with other people too. It can be powerfully changing in your life. I was talking to a buddy. My buddy Mike was... Uh, kind of doing a Bible study with somebody who's kicking the tires on, on faith and Christianity and he wasn't sure how to forgive somebody. And he tried hard and he tried hard and he tried not being bitter, he tried not being unforgiving, he tried all the not doing the not things. And Mike introduced him to this idea in the Bible that when you become a follower of Jesus, he puts an engine in you, a new heart in you. And so your heart may not be capable of loving somebody who's hurt you so bad, but God's got a heart that can. And he says, when God puts his heart in your heart, what happens is that the fruit of God's spirit comes out of you. It's not your fruit, it's his fruit, which is a metaphor for when joy comes out of you, kind of joy beyond your capacity, wisdom beyond your capacity, peace beyond your capacity. This guy was like, okay, so I need to not work harder at avoiding the bad stuff, but depend on God's heart to begin to produce this stuff in me. He's like, yeah, begin to bring some real changes in his life. You've heard the story about number 29. It's a pretty powerful story came out several years ago about Rob Carew. Rob Carew, number 29, was a Hall of Famer for how well he hit. And he was well known. So much so that in 1998, he went by a school just to say hi and do a little celebrity um, handshaking. And there was an 11-year-old boy named Conrad who met him. And he not only gave him the time of day, he talked with him for a little bit. And... Rob and Conrad had this kind of sacred moment. Well, Conrad runs home and is like, Mom, 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 I met a professional uh, athlete today. Wow. You know, Mom, I want to be a professional athlete. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's into baseball. I want to be into football. But that's what I want to do. And, and he talked to me and he encouraged me. I am so excited about that. And sure enough, that little interaction between Rob and Conrad inspired Conrad to pursue his love of football and he played at Stanford and 
eventually would play for the NFL. Living his dream. And one day as he's, he's practicing, he suddenly uh, hears this kind of snap, crack, strange noise in the back of his head. And he has this terrible headache, which he's never had before. He calls his dad up, who's a physician. He's like, Dad, what's going on? His dad's like, man, you know, let's, let's rule out the, the bad stuff. An aneurysm would be kind of the worst case scenario. Let's get you tested tomorrow. All right, get tested tomorrow. So he texts his mom. Conrad does. Mom, hey, I'm trusting God. He's going to work through this. And then the text said, I can't wait to see how God uses this to complete his story. It's the last text that she got from him. It's been decades now, since 1998. Rob is playing a lot of golf. He's enjoying golf. He's enjoying his retirement years. He's out playing golf, and one day while he's swinging the club, next thing he knows, his eyes open, he's laying down on the green, and there's a paramedic over top of him with two electrodes saying, we're about to lose him. They take him to the hospital, and there in the hospital, he uh, finds out he needs a brand new heart, he needs a brand new kidney. And things are getting worse, and things are getting worse, and things are getting worse. And he goes higher and higher on the priority list. He says he began to pray, he began to cry out to God in a way he never had before. God, help me. I need help. I need help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what you want to do with my life, but I, I promise I, I will invest my life if you will save me and you will help me. Connor went to bed that night and would die in his sleep from an aneurysm. And he'd be taken to the hospital. His brain was gone, but his body was functioning. His mom would show up, and she said that she didn't know why, but she just put her head on his chest and listened to his heartbeat. It's like the last interaction she had with her son. She knew her son was an organ donor, but they don't tell you where the organs go. So they said their goodbyes, and they had the funeral. They would hear from a friend a few months later, did you know Rob Carew? Yeah, Conrad's hero. I just heard on the news that he got a kidney and he got a heart from a 29-year-old, but they wouldn't give much more detail, but it was the same week that your son died. No way. Conrad's mom puts a cold call in, doesn't know him at all. Turns out he only lives 12 minutes away from them. Says, I think you might have my son's heart. And we'd love to meet if you'd let us. And sure enough, the families meet. In fact, Rob is so amazing, he went and got an ultrasound and let mom come in so she could hear her son's heart beating inside his chest. They became family friends. And she said, you know what, this isn't the plan we thought God had, but man, my son would be so thrilled to know that his heart is beating in your chest. And by the way, that heart you got, it's a Ferrari. You got a Ferrari heart. And not only did they become friends, but now Rob said he's got a new lease on life because someone he loved, someone he invested in, gave their life for him and gave him a new heart. And he has literally beating in his chest the heart. A reminder of a moment when he invested in other people. Also a reminder of someone who had to die so that he could have this new lease on life. New friendships, new relationships, and new perspective. That's what God offers. That's that new island, that new way of living that he promises to us. And with that, you can face the most dangerous game. And one of the tools I want to give you 
is, is a prayer you can pray daily. It's a daily prayer that you can pray the most dangerous prayer to face the most dangerous game. Jesus showed up and he died to give us a new heart so we could live a whole different kind of life and realize how much he loved us and he'd give his life for us. And he comes and he says, here's the prayer I want you to pray daily that will give you power to overcome. Now you may have heard it called the Lord's Prayer, but it's a dangerous prayer. He says, what if every day while living in a, a world of challenge you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let me remember your priorities, not my priorities. Your kingdom come, because we need a lot of your kingdom here in this broken world. Your will be done, because I'm doing a lot of things that you know, probably aren't your will. Give me this day. Teach me how to depend on the rope, depend on you every day. Help me to forgive my debtors because that bitterness gets you off track and those are footholds I want to avoid. So forgive me my debts so I'm not living under guilt and pain. And also help me forgive my debtors so I don't become rooted in bitterness. Then it goes on, depending on whether you grew up Catholic or Protestant and you know, which Bible verse you use, it actually says, but deliver, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What if every day you said, listen, I don't know if it's an evil one or not, but I'd like to be delivered from evil or an evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. This is a powerful prayer, a dangerous prayer to help you face dangerous times. In fact, I recorded a little prayer taking you through that on our website that you can download off the app or the website. Just go to www.horizoncc.com backslash dangerous. And it's a little prayer that lasts about two minutes, maybe right before you get to work every day, just press play before you get out of the car. Right before you go to bed at night, I made it in such a way that you can just press play, put it next to your, your ear maybe, and you can just pray uh, a word or phrase right after me. It prays the prayer and gives you a little way to interact or talk with God. But I hope this will be a tool for you that will help you find success in overcoming whatever challenges you have. In case it's been a while since you've heard the Lord's Prayer, we thought we'd have the band sing it. Let's listen together.